Hello, hello. Welcome to the second episode of the Bard Talks podcast. Um, as you know from the first episode, this is a podcast where I like to discuss pretty much all things that I love, and it turns out, based on my social media, that you love as well. Because that's the kind of community we have. We, You know, I like to talk about gaming. I like to talk about anime. I like to talk about tabletop games. Um, anything in the whole nerd, geek, fandom realm. But just keeping it in stuff that I love, you know, that I'm passionate about. And if you're listening to this podcast and you find yourself with the same kind of love and affinity for things that, that I enjoy then um, let me know, you know, thank you for uh, listening to the first episode. Um, all of you who have checked it out so far, it is on Spotify. It's going to be on all of the podcast um, distribution areas uh, soon, as soon as they all approve it. But I have had some feedback from y'all, and it turns out that some of y'all really are enjoying it, and I've had some critiques on it as well, which is fine. You know, I like I said in the first episode, I don't want this to become something where I'm so anal retentive about it as far as, hey, it has to be perfect, it has to be exquisite. Because as I mentioned before, you know, I have a bad habit of starting a recording, stopping a recording, starting a recording, stopping a recording, delete, delete, start, stop, over and over again. Because I just, I'm my own worst critic, you know, as we all are with everything that we do. But this this episode, I was going to go into a, uh, I was going to pick an anime to talk about. But as as fate would have it and the universe would bless me with, I got this uh, podcast off the ground a couple of days ago and then E3 started happening. So yesterday I, I'm sitting down, I'm watching E3, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take some notes and my second episode is going to be about what I saw at E3 yesterday, which I don't know if y'all watched E3 yesterday, uh, Xbox, Bethesda, big presentations. Followed up by Square Enix, which I will get into the calamity that was the Square Enix presentation by my own opinion. But it was a roller coaster of pure elation and joy watching the Xbox and Bethesda, and actually some surprise just at how well that that went. You know, we do have a history of e at E3 of certain people going, oh, you know, Sony killed them or Nintendo killed them, and you know, who won E3? Which, by on that note, I don't like the whole who won E3. Uh, situation, the debates, the conversation. I don't think there should be a winner and a loser of E3. I think we all should, you know, we, we get the information that's fed to us, process it how you will, come up with your own opinion, and you like what you like, you don't like what you don't like, but but as I say that, <laughs> and then I reflect back on that Square Enix presentation, like, ugh, I'm not going to pick a winner of E3. You know, I'm not going to pick a loser of E3. But I can definitely pick somebody, some company, that did not bring their A-game. But we'll get to that. The first thing I do want to, that crossed my mind, as I am watching E3 and watching uh, the little intro program and stuff that the broadcasters on there are doing. You know, I'm sitting at my computer, watching it on Twitch, and when I logged on, there's 61,000 viewers. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Then right as Xbox and Bethesda got started, you know, that number shot up to 100K, 120, 150, 180, 200 plus thousand people. And, and the, the thing that really struck me as amazing with that is the accessibility of E3. How easy it is to get into it now on a virtual level, watch things in real time, come up with their own discussion points, 
and come up with their own plans as far as we're going to buy that, going to do this, you know, like, wow, that looks great. That looks terrible. So on and so forth. It's all happening in real time. And that's great. And if you'll allow me to get my walking cane and my arthritis medicine out, and let me tell you a little bit about olden times. You know, when I was in school all those years ago, oh, I am 35 years old. E3 was something that my friends and I were all excited about. Like, hey, E3 is coming up. E3 is right around the corner. I can't wait to see what they say. And, but we'd have to wait. We'd have to wait for E3 to come and go and then get on to our favorite game uh, websites and read, you know, articles, blog posts, you know, look at little videos about it after it's already happened. And then we, after it's our, all the festivities are done, then we get our information. Then we can disseminate from what's given to us and go, okay, that's cool. I really like that. But now you can just log on to Twitch or YouTube or wherever you want to watch it at and watch this happen in real time. And that, for me, you know, that's amazing. I think that's a sign of where the community is and, and how mainstream gaming has become. And, and it's wonderful. And of course, with that, you also get real-time reactions of, positivity and you get real-time reactions of negativity but but just the overall accessibility of e3 now i think is something that's pretty great i think it's something that it, we're pretty lucky and we're pretty blessed to uh to have to be a part of you know i mean that's i don't you may not think it's such a big deal especially if you're part of the younger generation who's just used to this but me being old man chris old man bard <laughs> It's uh, that's something that I thought was pretty amazing. That was a big wow factor to me. Um, I had written 10 or 11 pages of notes, you know, as I'm watching the presentations yesterday. And then uh, a good friend of mine on Twitter told me, as, I, as I'm tweeting about this, and then earlier this morning I tweeted about how I've got all this information, I need to make sure it's not too convoluted and kind of come up with a plan on how I'm going to do this podcast. And he said, why don't you do bullet points, you know, talk about one thing at a time, bullet points, so you don't miss on anything. And, and that seems simple enough and obvious enough, but not as obvious to me, I guess, as it would be to some of y'all, but it's, I was the kind of guy that went through high school, college, uh, the t little bit that I went to college, I wasn't good at the rough at the rough drafts. I wasn't good at the uh, the brainstorming, the outlines. I was a final draft guy. I would sit down and go, let's hammer this paper out. Let's hammer this research paper out. Let's hammer out this essay. Boom, there it is, final draft. I'm done, turn it in. And I, I lived and died by that. But doing this, like there's nothing wrong with getting a little bit of organization. So I did that. You know, I try to organize my notes from what I saw and try to come up with a way that I could at least not lose my identity and not lose the personality that I am and who I am. And, and that's a big reason why I wanted to do this podcast to show who I am and to talk about things the way that I like to talk about things. But to, to jump into it, Xbox and Bethesda, fantastic, fantastic presentation. I was pretty blown away the fact that we got 30 titles from them. 30 titles, 27 of which are going to be on Game Pass on day one. Pretty incredible. And let me tell you, Game Pass, for my money, especially being a 35-year-old man with a, a wife and two kids and a kid on the way, I thought that was uh, a great investment for my money, getting Game Pass, because I have to be financially responsible. 
I have to, you know, plan where my dollars and cents are going. And I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and, and argue the point about the cost of video games. Because there are a lot of people who get upset about, oh, you got to pay 70 bucks for a game now. And I get that. There's, that's a whole conversation that I don't think I need to have here. But I will say the fact that I can pay the, I can pay the uh, subscription cost for Game Pass, play all these great games, and the ones that I like, I'm going to buy. I'm going to, I like having physical copies of games. I have no issue with people who just do digital. I just like having physical copies. So if I play a game on Game Pass and I enjoy it to the point that I'm going to want to own it, then obviously, yeah, I'm going to go spend it. But having that Game Pass is a great thing. It's a great tool that I have in my gamer arsenal and it helps me budget so much better than I would be if I didn't have that. Because demos seem to be kind of a thing of the past. You get some demos now. But you don't get a lot of the what it used to be. I feel like we used to get more demos back in the day than we do now, which is incredible. But uh, Game Pass also kind of reminded me of something. I don't know if any of y'all had this, but back in the late 90s, my local cable company here in little southwest Oklahoma offered this service called the Sega Channel. It looked like a little Sega cartridge that had a coaxial port on the back of it that you could put your cable cord into plug it into your Sega Genesis, and every month they would have a, a selection of games that you could just play, just like Game Pass, and play. I played all these great games, and I, some of them I would work hard with doing my chores and save up some money and actually buy them, but that was just so great to have, and then it kind of went away, obviously as gaming technology advanced, and you didn't really see anything like that until Game Pass became a thing, and you didn't see anything as popular and as big as Game Pass is now. And it just kind of reminded me, like, wow, Sega really was kind of ahead of the curve on a lot of things. You know, you can look at Sega Channel, you can look at the Game Gear, which if they could have ever figured out the power supply to that, I think Sega would have been in a much better position. But unfortunately, they just couldn't. But I still have my Game Gear. I love my Game Gear. I still play on it fairly regularly, you know, when I get the itch to do so. So yeah, Game Pass, so happy that out of the 30 titles that they debuted yesterday... Uh, 27 day one launches on Game Pass. I think that's that's a marvelous thing. Um, from Bethesda specifically, uh, I wish we would have got more out of Starfield. Um, I know that they gave us a little cinematic trailer, but I feel like we needed gameplay. You know, I feel like for me anyway, I needed some gameplay. I needed to know what I was going to get into with that. Um, for, you know, another friend of mine on Twitter said this and I said the same thing and I completely agree. It kind of, the cinematic trailer just gives you a no man's sky feel to it. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm pretty excited to see what they do next as far as they're showing that, because we're not going to get, I don't think we're going to get any more Elder Scrolls six news until after the Starfield launch. Like Bethesda is invested in that. It's their first new IP in however long it's been. So I understand it. They need to promote it. They need to talk about it. They need to get it out there. And I think it's going to be well-received. I hope so anyway, because they are taking a risk, uh, getting away from Fallout, getting away from Elder Scrolls. So we'll just wait and see. As time, you know, goes by and we get some gameplay, you know, I'll get a better opinion of what we're going to end up doing with that. Uh, I was pretty happy with the Halo news. Uh, Halo Infinite. Looked pretty good. Uh, Free-to-play multiplayer makes a ton of sense considering 
Uh, you've got Fortnite, PUBG, Warzone, all those FPS multiplayer games. I mean, free to play is the way to go. So you know you're going to get a battle pass out of it. You know you're going to get micro microtransactions. Um, it's part of it. It's where we are right now with FPSs. It's understandable. It, it's not a thing that I, you know, love about what the what that genre is. But I'm not a big FPS guy either. I was, and I'm going. You know, I was in my youth. I was a big Halo fan. Uh, my best friend since sixth grade. That was a game that we gravitated around, and and we still play Halo to this day. So I'm happy about the free-to-play aspect from a financial standpoint. I'm happy that I'm going to play it day one, try it out, see what I like, see what I don't like. But I don't think it's going to be a game that just reignites my love of F FPSs. I just know that I'm going to look at it through nostalgia lenses, and I'm going to be happy to be playing Halo again, especially when I get some friends. And if any of y'all want to get on and play Halo together when that comes out, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know. I'm more than happy to play any multiplayer game that I have with anybody who also has it. Like, I love playing games with my friends. That's a big part of why we do what we do. That's a big part of why I love what I love. Um, another thing from the Xbox Bethesda presentation that I really loved. Uh, you got a Diablo 2 remaster release date. I thought that was great. Uh, September 23rd. Which also, <laughs> that kind of raised a moral conundrum for myself. My wife's birthday is September 25th. She likes Diablo 3. We do play Diablo 3 together. She's never played Diablo 2. But I'm wondering, do I buy that for her as a birthday gift? And it's a 50-50 thing because I know it's an easy way out. It's an easy, easy way out. And getting her a nice birthday gift like, look at this game I just got you. <laughs> But I also know from a selfish standpoint, hey, if she doesn't like it, I have the game now. Yay. <laughs> That's probably not the best way to approach that. I understand that the more I speak it out loud, the more I realize, wow, that it's such a shitty move as far as being a husband goes. But, you know, it crossed my mind. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. I'm really excited for that. I love playing Diablo 2. I still fire it up on my PC from time to time. It's great. I still play Diablo 3. So I'm pretty much waiting on that one to come out. I think it's going to be a really fun remaster. I think they're doing a really good job with it. Um, There was a handful of other games that they showed, like Outer Worlds 2, Forza, the new Psychonauts. Um, they talked about some Fallout 76 DLC. They talked about some ESO stuff. But just the things that I mentioned specifically, where that's where my interest was. And then they did mention a JRPG. And, and what really intrigued me about it, and this ties into the Square Enix aspect of things, was, I think it's called the Ayudin Chronicles. I may have mispronounced that. I'm sure I did. But that looked like a really fun JRPG. A really enjoyable time. And a really enjoyable game that I want to know more about. I want to play it. But I'm thinking, as I'm watching that, like, alright, Xbox coming with the JRPG, not a console that I constantly associate with that genre. I know there are titles, JRPG titles on the Xbox, but when you think JRPG, in my mind anyway, you think Sony, you think Nintendo, you know, Square Enix. But the fact that they only showed one JRPG, and it was better than anything that I saw on that Square Enix presentation, wow, stunning. And, as, and I'll use that as the segue into Square Enix. You know, I didn't know that was going to be a 40-minute broadcast when Square Enix started. And I definitely didn't think 
that. And I want to know how much Marvel paid for this. But the first 20 minutes of that Square Enix presentation being that Guardians of the Galaxy game, that was stunning. Like, And that's not a game for me. I have zero interest in Marvel games. I, I never played the Avengers game. I'm not going to play the Black Panther game that they talked about. I'm not going to play the Guardians of the Galaxy game. But we got nothing else of substance or value, for my money anyway, from Square Enix, other than <laughs> the Final Fantasy 1 through 6 ports. And the only substance and value I can get out of that announcement was the excitement and the elation I had when they started showing the Final Fantasy 1 logo, the 2, the 3, 4, 5, and 6. I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to do it. The rumors are true. Final Fantasy 1 through 6 ports. Here we go. Going to be great. And then like everybody else, my feeling of excitement and ecstasy came crashing to the ground when they said for Steam and mobile. I was like, you have to be kidding. I don't understand it. I'm not trying to be a negative person. I'm really not. And I know there's people who are excited to get it either way, and God bless. But they already have Final Fantasy 1 through 6 seven and nine on mobile it's already there these are just pixel remasters and they're not even sold as a bundle they're individual releases <laughs> i don't get it like and if you like to play your games on your phone and god bless you're gonna love it i think that's great i am happy for you but for me that was such a letdown of monumental proportions and then only to follow it up with that final fantasy origin the Strangers of Paradise, which is basically just taking a Dark Souls template and slapping Final Fantasy's name on it. <laughs> like, I don't get it. I don't understand where Square Enix is right now. And I have, and I, I may do a podcast about this someday, I have strong opinions about Square Enix. Um, I think Squaresoft was the superior iteration of that company. I think they started to fall off of a cliff after Final Fantasy X released. And Square Soft became Square Enix. I think the quality of Final Fantasy has gone down. Um, I'm not saying there's not good. I mean, 12 is an enjoyable game. 14 is fun to play, especially with friends. Half of 15 is a really good time. I'm excited for 16 because I want it to be a good game. But I don't think that they have ever touched on the magic that was Final Fantasy X. They haven't come close. And I know there's a lot of business decisions that went into their presentation yesterday. I know there's a lot of business choices that went into the, the way they do things, the, you know, the way they do now. I get that they're making things more accessible to new players of different kinds of games. But the way I look at Square Enix is kind of the way I look at Blizzard. You know, Blizzard used to be so great with World of Warcraft. And then the numbers for their subscriptions started to plateau. So they had to make it more accessible to new players. So the quality of World of Warcraft dropped a little bit, in my opinion, but they had to bring in new eyes. They had to bring in new wallets. They had to bring in new people to that game. And that is what I believe, and I could be wrong as hell for all I know, is what Square Enix is doing. They have to, they want to expand and bring in different players, you know, maybe who've never played a Final Fantasy game who don't like that kind of game so they need to broaden what they what they dish out they don't they want to go beyond jrpg and and that's fine and you know that's a company that has the right to make their own decisions 
and they're going to make their own decisions and there's nothing us fans can really do about that. So I'm not going to sit here and just go, ah, Square Enix, you sons of bitches. How could you fucking stab me in the heart like that? Like, no, I'm just saying from my opinion and my perspective, that company has not been good since they were Squaresoft. Just how I feel about it. And I could be looking at it through nostalgia lenses, but that's where I am as far as how I feel about it. So yeah, that their whole presentation yesterday was just a monumental just disappointment, you know. And and if you got something out of it and you feel like that was for you and what you saw was was right up your alley, which I do have friends on Twitter who are like, wow, that Guardians of the Galaxy game looks great, gonna get it day one. Strangers of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin looks amazing. I'm gonna play that. I even know a few people on Twitter who went bananas for the Final Fantasy one through six port on Steam and mobile because they want to play it on their PC. Or and I know one or two people who want to play it on their phone. They're just happy to have it. And that's fine. And that's good. I mean, do what you love. Embrace what you love. I'm not going to sit here and shit on you because we have a difference of opinion. Or we have a difference of taste. You know, my as I said in my first episode, I want this to be an open door environment, a welcoming environment. I want to have these conversations. And when, when I do start having people on, hopefully soon, I'm going to bring some of this stuff up because I want to know how you feel about specific things that, that Square Enix did, Xbox did, Bethesda did. I want to know how you feel about the overall direction. If you're a big JRPG fan, a big Final Fantasy fan, I want your opinion of where Square Enix is. You know, I'm, I love a conversation. I love discourse. I love talking with my friends and with people who share this love and this passion that we all have for gaming. But to wrap up the little E3 bit of, of my podcast here, I did think, and there's plenty of other stuff too that Xbox and Bethesda did. And there's other games that uh, Square Enix did that you may have big hopes for and big excitement for that. I just didn't talk about then, you know, I am, I'm sorry to a degree, I suppose (laughs) that I didn't get to those. But just based on what I saw, you know, I know I'm a little bit older and I'm not closed minded, but I knew what I was looking for and I was somewhat satisfied and I was actually really satisfied with what I saw from Xbox and I was just very disappointed with what I saw from Square Enix. But yeah, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at uh, Bard, at Bard Plays Games, if I know my own Twitter handle, at B-A-R-D Plays Games. Let me know what you saw yesterday that you liked. Let me know what you saw that you didn't like. I... I want to hear some feedback. I really do. I'm very curious to know what you thought about everything that you saw yesterday. Um, I will. I do know that tonight or this afternoon at four o'clock, my time, central time is Capcom. I'd love to see some Monster Hunter news from them. I'm a big Monster Hunter junkie. I have dumped so many hours into Monster Hunter Rise and I can't put it down. Love it so much. And I know tomorrow, I believe at 11 in the morning, Central Standard Time is Nintendo. I'm super excited to see uh, any kind of news from Nintendo. You know, I want, are there, is there more story of seasons coming? Uh, what's the new Smash Fighters going to be? Um, do we have any more news on maybe a new Animal Crossing game? I know New Horizon hasn't been out but a year still. Or has it been two, one year, two years? I think just one year. I would love to know if there's something new in the pipeline for that new Pokemon information. I'm so excited for those diamond and pearl remakes. I cannot talk enough about that. So, you know, big expectations for Nintendo, any new titles they have too. I I love a good Nintendo presentation. Who doesn't love a good Nintendo presentation? I think those are great. 
The last thing I'd like to talk about, and it's something that came to my mind this morning before I started recording, comfort games. Because I, I went through this last night, and it just made me think about it, and I thought about it more this morning after talking to some people on Twitter about it. Comfort games. What do you play when you're anxious, when you're scared, when you're nervous, when you have paranoia, when you can't sleep, when you're sick? What, what do you jump to that makes you feel calm, that makes you feel secure, that makes you feel comfortable? What's your comfort game? Um, for me, uh, like last night as an example, I couldn't sleep. I was restless. I knew it was going to be a long night. I fired up Final Fantasy IX. That's a comfort game for me. And so I played through that for a little bit. I also, uh, for me, I like Animal Crossing, uh, Harvest Moon games, Story of Seasons games, um, old Final Fantasy games, and Pokemon games. Anything that elicits a comforting memory or a feeling of safety, uh, familiarity, security, you know, that calms me down. I love a good comfort game. FPS games, not my comfort games. <laughs> Uh, MMOs, not my comfort games. I play them because they're fun. You know, I, I do like a good MMO. Who doesn't like a good MMO? I'm sure several of you don't like a good MMO because MMOs are a very divisive subject. But I, what is comfort to you when it comes to gaming? Do you even have a comfort game? Have you thought about it enough? Or do you just lay down and pop in an anime that you love to watch? Or do you pop on a movie that you love to watch? But let me know tweet at me. Um, I, I'm going to have some people on to discuss this too. I, I'd love to know more about, is there a psychological impact of that? Are there games? Cause you know, there was a study not that long ago that came out about the friends TV show is psychologically proven to calm people down. Like it is a series and I'm not going to talk about, was it a good show, a bad show, whatever. It is a series that does calm people down people who enjoy it, I suppose, but it can, it does have good mental, uh, I guess, ramifications for lack of a better word, but good mental results for people who are feeling anxious, nervous, or scared. So what games do you jump to in those moments? What do you watch in those moments? Or do you just simply sit down and, and go to sleep? Or do you read a book? I mean, but more so in the gaming venture, do you have a comfort game? And what is it? You know, I really want to know. I want to hear from y'all. So I'll wrap this up. You know, talked about E3, Xbox, Bethesda, Square Enix. Talked about upcoming uh, stuff from E3 as far as Capcom and Nintendo. Comfort games. I want to know from y'all what you like, what you don't like. What do you do when you need to have a comforting moment as far as gaming goes? Um, This episode was a little choppy. I understand that thinking back on it, you know, it is a work in progress. I'm not making apologies. I'm just laying out a game plan. We're going to tighten things up as we go along. Um, I'm, I have decided that I'm going to do an episode Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then a weekend episode. So my next episode, third episode of the Bard Talks, you will see it on Wednesday. Um, and I've, I've got a pretty good idea of what I'm going to talk about on that one. I've got some lined up. It's, I'm going to go away from the gaming thing a little bit. I think I'm going to get into some anime, maybe. So I've got some ideas for it. You know, it's an ever-flowing thing, and I never want this to become just known as that. that's all he does on his podcast. That's all he talks about. So yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this. 
Um, thank you for reaching out if you have to let me know how you feel about the first episode. Thank you for allowing me to talk to you. You know, and I can't express how much that means to me, that you gave me a shot. And I love you, each and every one of you. I think we have a great community. I think it's going to get even better. And I think we do that. They're just being positive and just sharing the love and the passion that we have for the things that bring us love, passion, and peace. I will talk to you all on Wednesday. You all have a great Monday.